0: Hey, welcome back, New Orleans Pelicans fans. This is Unfiltered Dunks with Dodson. Used to be Protect the Nest, but we're moving on, changing on. Got a new contract with music, movies, and hoops, but I'm still in the building for Forbes Sports, trying to cover the team you love the most. Again, thanks for coming back. Welcome. I hope y'all enjoyed the Pelicans' first preseason win, but hey, we always get preseason wins. We don't need to count preseason wins. I saw Twitter right after the game, wanted to do an instant analysis, but. I saw a few things that needed to be worked on and didn't want to spoil everyone's, uh, I guess, their first real party since Mardi Gras, you know, since the pandemic has hit. The bubble definitely wasn't what the Pelicans wanted to uh, to see from the team. I think the team knew that. But this is a new era. This is B.I.'s team. This is Zion's team. This is, this is moving forward. And we saw a lot that we loved as Pelicans fans in that first game. And I'm going to go down. I've watched the game every day since Monday, uh, you know, since it come out. And heard all the media sessions every day, been in the media sessions. And here's what we got. Here's what we got. We got a win. We saw some stuff on Twitter, not to get off rant already, but this is unfiltered. We saw some people talking about Drew in the locker room after wins and losses and how Drew and the team reacted. Well, I mean... One, Drew was not that kind of leader. If you were in the locker rooms, I was only there for half of the home games. Most of those were losses, sadly. Drew just wasn't the type of leader to come in and start throwing shoes and stuff at people. He was the type to go out and get extra shots up after the game. You know, lead by example. And that was just his way. That was just his way. You never saw Big Fave yelling at people in the locker room either. That just really wasn't how the dynamic was there maybe maybe put that on coaching. The structure wasn't there in the offense, defense, so you had 45-minute practices, and that, the dynamic wasn't there. The chemistry wasn't there. However, we've moved on. Again, this is B.I.'s team. This is Zion's team. Drew's up there with Giannis on his Supermax. We've got all Milwaukee's draft picks after the Supermax has either expired or Giannis has forced his way out of town because things didn't work out. But the Pelicans still have a future to invest in just like Gail Benson's been invested in the region and we're moving forward with a lot of return on investment in that first game. Um, we saw a lot from BI, we saw a lot from Zion, we saw the spacing work out with Adams on the court and what he really brought. I, you saw that immediately and we'll get into it, but one more quick note to go back to investments. Look at what Gail Benson did at the Walmart, what Lonzo did at the Burlington coat factory when he first got here before he even played a game. I think that is more telling of the won't bow down mantra that this team wants to go by, then, then maybe we saw last season and people were like, well, this team's kind of giving up, which they didn't give up. They they were almost in the playoffs after a 13-game losing streak. The team didn't give up. That team just wasn't feeling it the way the fans thought and David Griffith thought it was going to happen before they ever took the court. But the team's still investing. Gail Benson's still investing. She did all that stuff for Walmart. Lonzo's done stuff for Burlington. Drew's got a court out in New Orleans East. Still got his name on it. We need to look more at what people are doing like that for the game. The Look at the players as players and people that are invested in this community, invest back in them. I've already seen people wanting to trade away Bledsoe, saying he, he don't want to be here, so let's trade him. We don't know if he wants to be here or not. He's barely been here at all, and what he's seen of the city has been quarantined for the most part. Or... A building where you couldn't even have five on five practices until after training camp had already started. So let's let's temper that that enthusiasm a little bit. Let's let's give the players time to settle in, and let's let the expectations settle back down to a reasonable rate. Because we can go undefeated in the preseason. That won't matter if we start off with this very tough schedule, and we're two and twelve again, three and thirteen four and four those types of you know once you try and dig your way out of that hole and play 500 basketball you're still 10 games in a hole you've got to play above that and trying to i guess hold a team to those standards once they're already down and you still want to see them back try and get where you thought they could be that's no good for anybody especially for this team it's going to be the first year moving on past drew past ad this is a clean break this is finally a a fresh team, all the old nonsense from the last recipe and the last chef. That's been swept out the kitchen. Griffin's got a whole new line ready to serve some dishes, serve up some wins, and that's what the Pelicans are going to do. I mean, that's what we hope they're going to do. And going from the first preseason game, it looks like what the, that's what we're going to do. But also, that was a shorthanded Miami team. Finals team that it may be was shorthanded. They were resting players. The Pelicans, thankfully, tried to stick to a ten man instead of instead of Gentry's old playing thirteen people thirteen weeks into the season. We're not having none of that. This team's about structure. I think we all saw it. And let's get down to the structure of what we saw on the court. Let's look at just starting again from the last podcast. The first few plays, we got a three pointer, but then we also you know we put three points on the board. But then you come down and you get Lonzo establishing the pick and roll with Zion. Zion, you know, he bailed early on that pick and roll. It's it's early. It's preseason. They're still going to be establishing a rhythm. They're just getting back into it. New spacing. That's fine. Zion bailed early. Lonzo still got the ball out quick. They moved it around. Buckets. Coming back, you had Ingram on the right wing. Pull up, mid-range, and one. Buckets. Come back down, and you get the Zion Adams action on that left elbow. And it looked a lot like... Ingram's going to operate on that right wing. Zion's going to operate on the offside, weak corner in the left, come up to the left elbow, meet with Adams, check around a little bit. That's going to be lovely. You've got all the spacing you want. No matter what side of the court you go to, you've got an all-star, one of the most dominant players in the league. And in the middle, you're going to have Adams holding it down. You're going to have J.J. Redick, Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart move it about. This team, this team's offense looked good as far as the spacing concerns, but let's keep going. As soon as you get Ingram cooking, he 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 moved into the lead ball handler spot later on in the first quarter and at the start of the second, and he got hot. He was handling the ball, drew some attention, kicked it out to kill Alexander Walker for three. Next next trip up the court, Ingram Jackson pick and roll, Ingram mid range money counted a bucket. Next one. Ingram comes down, moves the ball, gets it back, whop, three. He's in rhythm. Now you've got Ingram cooking. He gives up the ball handling, comes off a little pin down, moves off the ball, gets another right-wing mid-range jumper, whop, bucket. I mean, that's Ingram. Once he's just up, bucket, up, bucket, up, bucket, you're not stopping Ingram. He is the young KD people are talking about. He's growing into that. His first few years in the league, he was young. He was hurt he was battling, I mean, look at what he went through to get through them blood clots. People don't realize the procedures that really went into that and how much of basketball had to take a back seat because he still wanted to be breathing in 10, 20 years, not worried. I mean, we have to look at these players as people more often. I think that's more of what, what, what should be expected from all of the movements and activism going on now. And that's not me to get on a rant or not stick to sports and all that. That's just more of Ingram went through a lot. And now we're seeing him get in rhythm. And it's going to be scary because he's smiling. He's got his money. He got the money everybody expected him to get. There wasn't no hemming and him hauling. He knew he wasn't getting the full Siakam. The Pelicans knew they wasn't going to shortchange him. They had time for the Pelicans to make moves. Ingram loved the moves. They come together and they was like somewhere around $160 million, 155. Yeah, meet in the middle. Done. Rap, sign it. Ingram went off, started getting – I mean, they ain't drug testing this year. I ain't going to say the man was high, but he was definitely on Instagram having a conversation with some mannequins and dapping them up. I thought that was a brilliant little, little thing to do. I love that picture. But I also like the picture of Ingram cooking, getting the ball, leading it, coming back down, giving up the rock, moving off the ball. You know, I mean, people look at Harden and Westbrook and some of them players and all these stars that are accused of not working for the team when they don't have the ball. Ingram in that first game was working for the team, even when he didn't have the ball. And that's both ends of the court. Uh, Van Gundy come out and said he had to pull Ingram aside on his first little rotation and out in the first half and the second half and remind him of his defensive responsibilities and how he could work there for the team. Ingram went out, got a chase down block, got a few steals, got some deflections. When Ingram's moving like that, he's going to be all NBA. This year. If he's not second, third team, all NBA, something went wrong. That's I, I just talked about expectations. I believe that's a realistic expectation. He won't be first team. There's too many stars that are going to get those those first team slots no matter what. Ingram at second, third team, all NBA. Is a very real possibility. It's a, it's a, something for him to shoot for the next couple of years. I think he'll get there. And if he's cooking like he was in the middle of that first half, when he's doing everything with and without the ball that anyone could ask for from someone that's got a max contract in the preseason, not really having to work. When that translates to regular season, when it really counts in the in the standings and in the stat sheets and for all star votes, we're gonna see it, Ingram. That. I mean, he's a 50 He's a fifty ball every night he steps on the court. He could put up 50. Let, let's just be honest. That's re- unrealistic expectations for him to do every night. I mean, Wilt barely did it, but Ingram could do it once a month. Let's not let, – uh, come on. Once a month, Ingram's just going to go off 40, 50 points. He's going to flirt with it. He's going to flirt with it. And – I, I kind of like being teased by this team. It gets me excited. It gets me a little – I don't have any of them kind of uh, sponsorships to tease that any further. But, hey, y'all know where we're going with it. But let's keep going. We got Ingram doing all that work. He hit – and while he's cooking, while he's cooking, this is coming off of him cooking. As soon as he's moving off the ball he gets that jumper, he comes back down, he hits, and then the team – is moving the ball around. It's late in the shot clock. They throw it to Ingram, who's already halfway to the logo. He takes it one step. Bus is going off while the ball's still in the air. Bucket. Ingram got that one. He was in rhythm. He didn't even worry about just tossing it up and hitting the rim. As soon as he caught it, he knew he, was, he had the space to hit that. And he had the confidence and the rhythm, and he hit it. But now let's talk where the team wasn't really hitting. A lot of it's on the defensive end. The offense looked fine. It was running basic actions, basic plays. We found what spacing was going to be there. Van Gundy wasn't going to show his full deck, and he hadn't had time to implement his full playbook. The offense looks fine if we let Ingram cook, if we let Zion get his buckets. I mean, look at his shot chart. Go look at Zion's shot chart. That wasn't a shot chart. That was a layup and dunk chart. That was a bully ball chart with the only shots really coming from the free throw line. He hit 10 of 11. Ingram was 6 for 6. That's a recipe for success. I wrote about that one up on Forbes and put a few other different quotes and stats in. Go check it out. But that's where the offense is at. We know if those two guys are going to combine for 50, maybe Ingram doesn't go off for 50, but they combine for 50 a night, we're going to be okay. We're going to be in games. We're going to have – I mean, that first game we were missing a few players. We were missing JJ. We were missing Bledsoe and they'll replace some of the minutes that Kyra Lewis Jr. and Nikhil played. We'll see more of those more steady veteran presences keep us in games when maybe Ingram's having a 3-for-11 night. Or uh, look at Zion, uh, not Zion, Lonzo. Lonzo ha- had a bad shooting night, and I don't think there's anybody that wants to see the stat sheet show Lonzo Ball has the most shots – of the whole team, and he's having a cold night. Even if he's having a hot night, you don't want Lonzo Ball taking the most shots of anybody on your team. That's that's one of the only things I've seen bad with the offense. Maybe that was a, a something planned going into it. Van Gundy wanted Lonzo to get in rhythm in the offense, let him feel like he wasn't being restricted. He wasn't being, not to use the word restricted at a pun, because Zion didn't have any restrictions. We saw that. He played more minutes than almost ever. But Lonzo, I wrote about this one too. It was a big thing with the head coaches when they interviewed on how do you view Lonzo Ball? What do you want to see from him going forward? How do you think he's going to be a value to this team? And Van Gundy had a lot, in a lot of ways, he had the best plan and what Griffin wanted to hear about Lonzo Ball. He wasn't going to be stuck in the corner just shooting threes and playing D. He's going to be given some ball handling responsibility. He's still going to be able to run in transition. But, but, Lonzo Ball should not lead this team in field goal attempts more than maybe five nights out of the season. And he just had one in the preseason, so he's only got four left out of 72 games. One of them games, Ingram or Zion's going to be sitting out for load management or it's a back-to-back or who knows what. I don't think you'll see anybody on this team play all 72 games because of the condensed schedule, because of the reason. I mean, they're going to have so many play-in opportunities for the playoffs that resting players for the back end of the schedule that we're still waiting to see released. That's going to be smart, especially since, our again, the Pelican schedule is so front-loaded with contenders. I think 14 of the first 16 games are all against playoff teams. Mm Uh, in the first 31 games, we only play a couple of non-playoff teams, and that's the Spurs, that's the Suns. I mean, this is these are teams that aren't going to be push Even when Charlotte and Memphis comes to town, that's going to be – I mean, the Lonzo versus LaMelo game on ESPN will be a battle just because that's up-and-coming teams. You're going to see the Ball brothers going at it. You're going to see both teams wanting to back them up. You're gonna see, you're gonna see some of these younger players on the Pelicans not want to get punked by the youngest ball brother, throwing backwards passes and looking like Magic Johnson on them. There's gonna be some welcome to the NBA, son, type moments for Lamelo, uh, and I mean, Lonzo's not gonna be there to back him up that night. Once they lace it up and go, I'm loving. I want to see that game, but in that game, I don't want to see Lonzo Ball jacking up shots, trying to be. You know, showing up his brother and being the star on ESPN, he's still gonna have to operate within the team, and I expect he will. I, I don't expect anybody to go into any game saying this is my game to shine unless the coaching staff and the, the scouting report says that. ESPN telling them that, or a podcaster like me, or the billing just on the marketing because ABC and ESPN wants to push it. That's not gonna matter. That's not gonna matter. But that's one of the things of the offense you don't want to see. Now, getting the defense, wing defense between B.I. and Zion, not great. Not great. If they want Zion to be able to defend the twos and threes and fours that come out on pick and roll and stretch. and I mean, at one point, they had B.I. and Zion go out damn near to midcourt, try and trap, and Hero went straight up and got a layup three seconds later. By the time he laid the ball up, Zion and Ingram were still outside the three-point area. Now, if they gonna get B on the trap, they at least got to get back so that all the help defense switching over, which they didn't even have time to do. It was just a straight layup. I mean, that midcourt trap, it was split, easy layup, done. They had some wing defense that led to and ones because of late, late help moving over, Zion getting lost. Look at the first play that Miami scored on in the second half. Ingram has to fight around a screen over on the defensive right wing. By the time he gets done, he's over in the left defensive corner. Zion did a switch and a help and a move, and his head got turned, and he was young. Zion's man was standing on the low block, nobody within five feet of him. Easy toss it in, bucket. Those sorts of things have to get cleaned up. There's a little bit more on, you know, fighting through screens, which the players probably didn't put a lot of extra effort. They put a 100%, but they didn't put a lot of extra effort in because it's the preseason, you're shaking off rust. You, they're professionals. They also want to be respectful on, on not going too hard and injuring someone the first game out. I heard I heard several mentions of that with, by different players and agents on many teams saying they want to ease into this so that no one gets hurt, especially guys going into contract years, guys on teams that want to be contenders later on, like say even the Lakers. They're going to be resting players early on, not worried about chasing a one seed because, you one, you don't know what the fans are going to look like. Uh, if they're going to be in the stands. I don't think it's going to happen just because that's just the world we live in. We're going to have to trust the rollout, trust the process, not rush things, wait for vaccines and COVID to all be under control to the point that all all states, all governments are willing to let fans into these arenas. It's going to be a while. It's not going to be in 60 days. It's not going to be in 90 days. The Lakers aren't going to be playing all out chasing a one seed while they're still dusting off their titles and getting their rings. And in the same way, the Pelicans are going to be checking out different rotations back to back. Certain players are going to have, you know, a little knock. Something's going to happen. You're going to have to plan for the full season and not chase every win, especially this season, especially with an expanded playoffs. I mean, the Pelicans are going to have the talent to be in the mix. They have the talent to get a top six seed and not worry about a play in situation. But even if they try and throttle up a little bit more slowly and not just take off immediately with this team, they're going to be in the thick of things. We just have to clean up some, you know, a little bit on the offense, not as much needed on the defense, especially depending on how they want to deploy Ingram, Zion, and the rest of the team. That that's that's something that the more I watched, the more I went through the game, the more I seen like Lonzo Ball trying to be the own on-ball defender, then getting moved off and staying with his man instead of staying on-ball with the switches, those sorts of things. I I don't think – and I have no idea what goes on in practice, but I don't think Stan Van Gunney and the coaching staff has settled on a, a, a direct – we're going to do this every time. I think they're still learning the team and how they react to some of these situations. Sure, you know more how you're going to use Adams for protecting the paint, but building out from there and that wall of stability that'll be Adams in the paint, they're going to be able to get creative. They're still learning how they can employ these, these guys and put maximum pressure on the other team, especially the reserve units. I think our reserve units, the bench mob, especially when you're going to have B.I. or Zion on the court at all times, one of the two, if not both, according to the coaching staff and Stan Van Gundy. I mean, with, with that and a couple other guys in reserve, be able to blitz some of these bench mobs that we just have that talent. We talked about death, depth last year. Everybody talked about the Pelicans being so deep, Gentry playing 13 people because they all had you know a reason to be on the court. No, there's 10 spots every night. There's 13 people worthy of it, but you're going to have to earn that in practice. You're going to have to earn that with the minutes you're given. And if not, next man up mentality for that bench mob. Some nights, yeah, when we play maybe a Houston if they can't really go too big except when they have Christian Wood and Demarcus Cousins and maybe limited to just fourteen, fifteen, sixteen minutes a night, then you go to a speedy team or a big team. You know, going back and forth, we'll be able to play with those eight, nine, ten spots. But the first six, seven, eight, you know, once you get Hart, Melly, Bledsoe, Reddick, I mean, how many how many minutes is there gonna be for Kyra Lewis Jr. Or Nikhil, if if one of Ingram's on the court and he's ball handling, Lonzo's on the court, Zion's on the court. I mean, they they talked about giving Josh more ball handling and offensive responsibility. I wrote about that when Josh has talked about that. He said in the media session that no player was going to complain because he, had, he was being asked to shoot more. So, I mean, we're going to see all of that develop and it's going to be exciting. I hope y'all are ready. We got another preseason game tomorrow night. Depending on how we do and how Twitter reacts, we'll be back with an instant reaction. If not, I'll come back, make a few more notes. I might even go on Reddit if they allow me and post all of the plays where I'd seen it. We're going down and making a scouting chart of what this team's done right. And I mean, some of the mistakes they're making more than once. Until then, y'all protect your nest. I'm still on that. That's my game. This has been Unfiltered Dunks with Dodson. Y'all have a good weekend.